Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. All right. Uh, It's good to be in Kalamazoo. It's good to be here. Uh, I am Pastor Cameron, as Bill announced. And uh, because we do church a little differently, I I, I do every uh, time I speak, I'd like to kind of recast the vision a little bit. You know, first of all, I want to thank you for coming and being part of New Day Community Church. You know, there's over 250 churches in Kalamazoo, uh, somewhere between 250 and 300. So there's lots of places you can choose to worship, lots of places you can choose to plug in. And I happen to respect all of them. I think that God uses uh, many different expressions of his body to reach all the different people in uh, this community. Um, just happens to work out that if everyone went to church, all 250 or so of those churches would each have a thousand people. So you can look around and see how far we have to go. <laughs> all right, that means that there's there's plenty of lost people out there, and so that's why I'm never uh, discouraged or feel uh, any challenge at all when I hear of a new church plant. Just heard of another one in Kalamazoo because there's so many people in our community that are not connected with a body of believers in relationship, finding their place to serve. Uh, We receive as Christians as much when we give uh, as when we come just to receive. Does that make sense? And so you need to find a local congregation where you can plug in. So last week I was down in Vandalia. We have uh, our church is a multi-campus church, and uh, even though we're not a, a mega church, we have believed that God's called us and created these opportunities to start other congregations. And so the Vandalia campus, you've heard about it for a long time. They're doing well. People are joining the church. It's it's just going great down there, and, and I'm really blessed. It's exciting. It's very different to preach in the middle of a cornfield. Um, the the culture is different. They're all farmers down there. <clears throat> Uh, and then up here, and even though they're only 50 miles away, it's quite interesting. And of course, as we mentioned, the Vine Campus in downtown uh, uh, Kalamazoo, as we're just getting that congregation uh, going to reach the people that live in that community. But we also have a church in South Carolina, North Carolina, two churches in South Carolina, North Carolina, and in a few weeks, my wife and I will be going to visit our church in London, England, which is always a bonus because. England's kind of fun. Uh, next week, I will be in, in Toronto speaking. Uh, one, I'm doing a workshop along with Bill and Mary Lee uh, uh, at our international uh, conference of our network of churches. That's a worldwide group of churches of uh, over 10,000 churches all over the world that share our same values and our, our uh, kind of a shared history and shared values of, of seeking God that's presence-based, believing in revival now, believing in the kingdom of God. And so uh, it's exciting to join with the bigger picture and reach out. But I just want to communicate to you that each congregation uh, that we have in our church and even partners in Harvest in general, you know, we all bring something to the table, just like each one of you brings something uh, to the table. When you come to church, you have something to offer. We need you. Right, to be who God's called us to be. Does that make sense? And, and without your contribution, we can't be what God's called us to be. And so I want to thank you for coming. Thank you for participating. And um, uh, I'm just excited to, 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 to kind of 
dream about what God's going to do right here through us as a church. All right? Well, let's jump into the Word. Last week, um, uh, the youth shared, kicking off the series. Uh, we have a new youth hangout space here. <coughs> uh, we can remove the couch up here, give some pillows. You guys like it? Yes! All right, cool. Uh, <coughs> I like it. Uh, they shared, and I heard it was a great time. I'm talking about this whole month on communication, and communication is so significant in and in, in being a Christian in just life. You know, it's really the, the medium through which relationship happens, right? You know, it's, it's whether we whether it's spoken communication, written communication, text, Facebook posts, Instagram pictures. We have so many different ways to communicate in our world today, but all of it is. It's the medium through which we connect with one another. And so it's extremely, extremely important. And one of the difficult things, or probably the most difficult things in speaking about communication is picking a few verses to talk about it. Because literally you could pick thousands of different Bible verses that directly address the issue of communication. So I really struggled with it. And I'm speaking uh, today specifically about the power of the tongue. And even that, there were so many different verses that I could have uh, turned to and, and we could have learned from. And so I just encourage you, this is really just an introduction because the scripture is filled with teaching concerning communication and teaching concerning uh, the power of the tongue, the importance of, of, of how we speak. <clears throat> so we're just going to pick a little slice of it today. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, often when someone speaks on the power of the tongue, uh, the, the direction of the message or the content of the message, emphasis of the message is, is really about, uh, you know, eliminating negative speech and, uh, you know, and how we need to not say this and not say that. And uh, although that's very valid and there's many scriptures concerning that we're going to touch on a little bit, I want to start at a, a completely different starting point. And so I'm going to start at the beginning. <laughs> um, the power of the tongue and uh, the story of creation is very, very significant. And sometimes we read it, and we're, because we're familiar with it, we miss some of the main points, or some of the most important lessons that we can glean from God's Word. And, uh, of course, we know this, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but right in the beginning it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. You know, so the very first thing that we see God do is to creatively speak into existence the entire universe. Right? Now listen, God could have put together the Bible and Scripture, our holy text, in whatever way he wanted. And there could have been books and books and books written that describe many aspects about God, his holiness, his power, his, his purity, his, you know, all the different attributes of God. But God places very first front ends this, that what we see him do first is speak. 
okay? And what happens when God speaks, boom! The great, the Big Bang, right? <laughs> I actually think that the evidence that they see of the Big Bang is actually just the residue of God's initial work of, that, of creation. God said, you know, he created everything. I bet there was a bang. Seems consistent to me. <laughs> bang! <laughs> no, I mean, that's what he said. Bang! <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? Yeah. You get to heaven, he watches the tweet, he plays back the, the holographic simulator. <laughs> and all the scientists go, geez, I would die, what, what? You know? All the creationists are like, see, we told you! <laughs> the point is, that God spoke, and everything happened. And what I want to draw your attention to is that this is the first thing that God chose to reveal about himself. Right? God's word places this first. We, God's word is meant to teach us about God. We have God's word not just to teach us what, how to behave, but to to bring us into an understanding and relationship with the, our Creator God, with our Father, right? And so the whole purpose of Scripture is to reveal God. And God chooses first to reveal that through the spoken word, there is creative power. In fact, everything that exists, exists because of the word of His power. I think this is important <clears throat> because right next in the story, after he creates everything, he creates us, and he says, so God created humans. The word man there is anthropos. It means humans, not male, not female, but humans, the human race. God created mankind, humans, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. That's where it's specific, where there's humanity is is made up of male and female together. <clears throat> he created them in his image. And so if the very first initial important number one priority uh, uh, aspect, attribute of God was that he had, there is creative power through what he says, and then we are made in his image, it is consistent to say that we have creative power through what we say. Does that make sense? Yeah? yeah. yeah? yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a pretty good point. <laughs> Let's look somewhere else. Let's look at the New Testament. All right? And so we're going to look at how John, the apostle, uh, starts his gospel. Now this is uh, kind of interesting because John wrote his gospel, most likely, uh, most scholars uh, believe, and I believe, that uh, John wrote the account of Jesus' life uh, probably later, after Matthew, Mark, and Luke were already finished. And so that those, uh, those accounts were clear and written out. But John wanted to write down his perspective, and he brings something actually quite different uh, uh, than the synaptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, John writes from a different perspective. He writes with a different style of writing and a different emphasis, but John was different. He had a different type of relationship with Jesus, and he chooses to communicate uh, 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 a little differently. And he's writing primarily, most people believe that he's writing to a more of a Gentile world. 
And so he starts at the beginning. But I love how John introduces Christ by mirroring the Genesis story. Okay? When you read this, it sounds a lot like Genesis. And that was, you know, not by accident. All right? John intentionally wrote this to, to, to correlate, to bring the stories together, to teach us to see that that Genesis account is really about Jesus Christ because every page in the Bible is about Jesus Christ. So he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So the whole of creation was made through the Word, and the Word is a person, and John is using that as a title for the person of Jesus Christ. And all, he says that all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Let there be light. Uh, and all things exist in the creative word of God, and John is saying, hey, listen, folks, that creative word is the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're seeing... Uh, here, just like we saw in Genesis, that the first attribute that was accounted, uh, accorded uh, to God in Genesis was his creative power through speech, John actually says Jesus is the Word and also says that everything that was made was made through that creative speech, through, through the Word. Right? And then the New Testament teaches that we are to be like Christ. Wow! And so both in the Genesis account and in the New Testament account, we see that the initial attribute of God, the initial attribute of represented of Jesus Christ is that there is creative power through the word, through what is spoken, and that we are created in God's image, and that in Christ we are to live as Christians uh, in Christ, and, and live Christ-like. <clears throat> so... Our words, hence the title, our words shape our world, just like God's word shaped creation. God has delegated creative authority to us, and the tool for that creative authority is your tongue. There's a miracle maker in your mouth. Everybody stick out your tongue. <laughs> Everybody take hold of your tongue. Say, that's a miracle making. So, how many can see their tongue? How many can touch the nose and tongue? Anybody here? Can you, can you touch your nose and tongue? Who's this? No, no, like up here. So we can't really see our tongue. I can't see my tongue. I had a friend that I used to work with, and that dude's tongue was like, he cleaned his ears with his tongue. <laughs> it was scary. It was weird. Most tongues, human tongues, are four inches long. But a third of it, you can't see. It's, be, it's be, like, if you look in the mirror, as far back as you can see, you can only see the first two-thirds of it. Another third of it goes back down. That's where it's attached. It's 
28 muscles, approximately 28 muscles in your tongue that enable it to do all kinds of contortions, right? And so we use it, what do we use our tongues for? What do you use your tongue for? Carry, eat. <laughs> Anything else? Talk, what was that? Ice cream. Somebody said something about water. Clean. You drink water? <laughs> so I wanted us to be able to envision our tongue. And so, you know, <clears throat> human tongues are small, so I thought I'd get a bigger example. <clears throat> but this looks just like your tongue, it just happens to be enlarged. It's a cow tongue. Um, I'm a cow tongue. <laughs> so, <clears throat> what is amazing is this is more similar to what's in your mouth than dissimilar. Okay? It's a hunk of flesh. My tongue is not brown or black. How many people have a two-tone tongue? Yeah, yeah, we'll have He had just had a cup of lollipop. Ever heard the, the phrase, you know, you gotta hold your tongue? Uh, anyway, how about this? Uh, you hear the phrase, you gotta bite your tongue? Anybody want to bite the tongue? Anybody want to touch it? Yes. So this idea, it's almost like your tongue is a, a magic wand, all right? You can just wave. <laughs> and by waving the wand of your tongue, you can change circumstances, all right? You, you can change the, 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 the atmosphere of the room you walk yeah. into. <laughs> you can get people's attention, can't you? Set that like that. 
right, so there's a miracle maker in your mouth. Let's talk a little bit about it. Proverbs says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. And so if, if death and life, I mean, it's, it's a poetic reference. He's saying everything, everything from death to life reside, resides in the power of your, your tongue can do incredible things. You, and it's going to, whether you realize it or not. And so what this means is this, this idea that there's creative power in your tongue it means that whatever you speak, you get more of. All right? This is the main point of the message. If you complain, you will never run out of stuff to complain about. Because when you complain, it creates more things to complain about. It empowers and reproduces complaints. All right? If you speak out worrisome words... I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm gone. This is going to happen. What if this happens? I'm afraid of this. That. that produces. That's creative power. You're waving the wand and saying, more worry, more worry, more worry. More complaint, more complaint. All right? Criticism. That person, they don't understand anything. They're so mean and so cruel. Okay? And so as you wag your create the tongue, it's just like a wand creating more of that. Does, does this make sense? Yeah. yeah. Alright? And so then you, then you see more of it and so you talk more about it. Which creates more of it. Why? Because you were created in the image of God. And all the more if you, if you are uh, Christians and you come in and you bear as a vessel, the Holy Spirit. Okay? I mean, this is true to a degree, whether you're a Christian or not. If you're a human, you have an innate creative power in your tongue. Right? If you're a Christian, it's all the more powerful because you carry the anointing and the calling. And so our tongues can, instead of creating criticism or worry or complaint, you can create thanksgiving by, by, by speaking gratitude. It actually, if, if you continually say, thank you, thank you, thank you, guess what? You'll never run out of things to be thankful for. Right? Because it releases the power of thanksgiving, which creates gratitude. All right? It creates the environment by which you'll have more things to be thankful about. If you honor and speak honor, it will create more things to honor. Because the word of, of, that you speak actually creates it. If you speak blessing to your spouse, to your children, to your co-worker, you'll never run out of opportunity to speak more blessing. When you walk into a room, you have power to change your world. To change that room simply by what you say. We see this. You've seen this. You've been in a room and someone comes in and says something mean or cutting or, like, weird. Right? And everybody in the room goes, Pfft. How many of you have ever had that happen? In a meeting, the boss comes in, and all within seconds, everyone's tense. It's going to be a bad day. 
Or sitting in a room, somebody comes in and goes, and they smile on their face, and they say something nice. It's like, oh, wow, that's refreshing. Just refreshing. I was telling Gabby, I had a meeting with, with someone, <clears throat> I don't get to see him too often, but as I said, you know what? It was just so refreshing to be with this person. It was just, it's so, it was so <coughs> easy to be with this person. You know, and uh, you know, I'm thankful that I have people like that that I can connect with. But it's, it's really because of the words. Uh, that they, they recognize the power of the words. And so it's our choice to choose to speak, to use this, this miracle maker in our mouth to create honorable things, to create life. James addresses this issue pretty bluntly and uh, forthrightly in his uh, letter to the church. And I think it, it, it does as well to, to give our whole attention to what James has to say to the early church. Um, uh, it says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Amen. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Wow. That is God's word. All right. In other words, if we can bring our tongue into alignment with the will of God, every other part of our life, every other part of our life is going to come into the alignment with God. That's significant, right? And this is where we really need to have a respect for the power of the tongue and, and realize that our words have power. Uh, uh, um, it's, it's so, 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 it's so, so, uh, 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 it has so much of a, a power to, to shape pe other people's lives, to shape our own lives. It says we can, and then it gives us a few illustrations. It says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in his mouth. So he's saying, see how it works in the animal world? See how we can control uh, we, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to, to go, even though the winds are strong. So even though there's mighty winds <coughs> blowing, uh, a person who knows how to work the rudder and the sails can make that ship go wherever they want to go. And so the rudder has power to overcome the winds of life, right, if, if, it's, if it's used properly. In the same words... I'm sorry. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing, relatively. <laughs> <laughs> that makes grand speeches, or that can do great things. Uh, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. Uh, it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. Uh, it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Now, James is talking about the way it actually works. He's not saying this is the way it should work. Um, but he's saying this, unfortunately, is the case because people don't have their tongue submitted to the Holy Spirit. And so it, it can set your whole life on fire. I, I like to think, wow, if it can set my life on fire with the fire of hell, it can set my life on fire with the fire of God yeah. if I allow it. Amen? Amen. Right? So people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. 
It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Not hearkening back to that uh, creation story. We were made in God's image. And so, uh, James continues, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right, or this ought not to be. And so he's describing what ought not to be, what is not right, that we should not have blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. He's not saying it's impossible. He is saying, though, it is difficult. All the more reason to acknowledge its significance and its importance, okay? Because it has such power. And because the natural inclination is what James describes, that the enemy himself, that it, can be, it can be used by hell to bring about destructive power. But we also know death and life are in the power of the tongue, and God wants us to use it to bring about life. And so it's our choice. You have to choose what you're going to use your tongue to reproduce. Are you going to use it to speak cursing? Or are you going to use it to speak blessing? And the challenge is, my challenge to you, is that use your tongue to speak blessing. There's a couple more scriptures I want to jump to. Paul writes about it this way. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And the message, this is translated... Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. I love that illustration. That every word you speak is like a gift. All right. So let no corrupt communication. One way that can be translated is, is no cutting or biting remarks. Right? They should never come out of your mouth. Instead. Only what is good for necessary edification. And that's important. That word necessary is really significant. You can't take that out of the verse. Because right? sometimes you can say something good and something meant for the edification, but it's not needed right then. Right? <clears throat> because if you say it then in, in that way, even though it may be true and it may be something they need to hear, if you say it then, it's just going to be received as a, you know, a cutting remark. It's going Amen. to receive the discouragement. Right? And so having the wisdom, right? is this needed? Is this necessary? Is this something I need to say now? And is, and is the motivation edification? Edification is to build people up, okay? To encourage, to strengthen. And it doesn't matter who you're talking with, okay? If you're talking with someone you, in, in the workplace or in the marketplace, you disagree with their opinions vehemently. You need to let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth except what is good for necessary edification. How can you strengthen and encourage and bless them? Right? How can you create through your words a change of atmosphere that maybe they will say, wow, what he has is better, or she has is enticing. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. right? And you have that power to change the conversation with your tongue. And that each gift, and the idea that we can impart grace. Wow. Do you realize that grace is one of the most significant, important words in all of Scripture? Yeah. It is not only unmerited favor. 
It's not just that you get your sins forgiven, but it actually includes the power to live transformed. All right? To live, to be different. And this verse says that our words have, has the power to impart grace. I can take grace somehow, supernaturally, and put it in the people by using my tongue. Wow! That's a creative miracle. I can, I can grace people. I can grace people. I can grace people. But if my heart's not right, I can curse people. Out of the same tongue. And so learning to respect the power of that and learning to choose to bless. Now there's two keys that makes this work. Right? I believe these are two significant, important keys in, in, in the New Testament that, that help remove it from I just have to get better at controlling my tongue to us learning this is how it really works. This is how we live transformed how we live under the control of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says it this way in Luke. Key number one. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good uh, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Okay? And that truth, like if there's Anything that you need to memorize, it's that phrase right there. Out of the abundance of the heart, you, your mouth speaks. And so if you want to know the condition of your heart, listen to your words. Better yet, watch the effect your words have on the people in your life, especially the people that you have authority and influence with. Does that make sense? And so if you see that your kids get discouraged every time they have a talk with you, you know, what that reveals is that you, you have discouragement in your heart. Because that's what it's reproducing. If, you're, if, you, if, you constantly, if there's anger as a result of your words, it's not their problem. It's your issue being recreated, right? Not if it happens once, you know, or occasionally. But if you see this as a pattern, what's coming out of your mouth? What are the words that are coming out of because it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So you listen to your words and you look at the effect of your words and it shows you what's in your heart. How do you change that? Fill your heart with good. Focus on getting your heart good. Focus on getting God's word in your heart. Speaking to yourself, right? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Okay? Memorizing scripture, speaking good things, learning how to change the way you phrase things so that it has uh, the effect of being good. So the key number one, and I think is the most important thing, is realize our words, it's a heart issue. It's not just a, I have to get control. But it's a heart issue. And uh, <clears throat> uh, there's this thing called muscle memory. And, and the tongue, as I said, is, is just a big muscle. There's 28 muscles, right? And so a few years ago, I actually learned how to pick a guitar. It's like an easy guitar, it only has four strings. <laughs> and I'm not very good at it, but uh, that was the most difficult thing I, I think I've ever done. Because when I first did it, Kathy can remember, I, I 
had to concentrate so hard to, to move your fingers in the right order, right? How many of you have ever learned how to pick? Yeah. It was hard, especially as an old guy. I never thought I could do it. Sure, I could start on a guitar, but the pick, I never thought I could. But you know what? I can now pick up that guitar, and I can, pick, I can do that picking pattern, the variations of it, without even thinking. Because my muscles have developed a memory. All right, muscle memory. <clears throat> and so, same thing with your tongue. When you use your tongue to speak blessing, to speak honor, to speak gratitude, to speak thankfulness, it it automatically defaults there. But if, it, but if you're constantly using it for complaint, worry, and criticism, it will automatically default there. Does that make sense? How do you change it? Fill your heart with good. The second key uh, that we find in the New Testament concerning this is found in, in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Paul writes, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. And he jumps down a few verses. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. All right? So the, this quote, I believe and therefore I spoke, is actually a quote from the Old Testament on a psalm concerning the hope that the Messiah would have that he would not... Uh, 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 remain in the grave, that there would be a resurrection. And, and the context of what Paul is quoting this is the same thing, that regardless of the circumstances, even the circumstance of death on the cross, I believe and therefore I spoke. All right? So this, this, this power of declaration that overcomes death itself and everything in between because the power of death and life are in the tongue. And so... Uh, what causes us to speak truth, to speak life, to speak blessing, is that we believe. You have to believe. All right? <laughs> and believing, sometimes even as Christians, we make it into something that's hard to understand. Like it's something that just happens, it's mystical. No, it's actually just believing. Like I believe this, this pulp is made out of wood. Because the evidence is clear, it is, right? I believe these words and this illustration that I've used, that you know what? God created everything from the from word. I believe that my words can make a difference. I believe that my words can shape my world. Because God said it. But if you don't believe that, if you believe that you're constantly at the mercy of, of all the circumstances, then you're not going to speak truth. You're not going to speak transformation. And so you're not going to see it. Does that make sense? Right? And he says, you can't look at the circumstances. You can't look at what's seen. So you walk in your room, or you walk in your home, and, and, and all you see is opposition or, or bad attitudes. You walk into work, and all you see is the fear and, and uh, 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 bad motives or walking through life and all you see is all the influences of hell and the devil and sin. Yeah, those are the things that are seen. But those things are all temporary. You have to believe that. Those are all going to disappear. And so I'm going to start talking from a kingdom perspective. Love remains. Love remains. And so in the midst 
of whatever circumstance you're in. I want you to, right now, just, just focus on, maybe there's a circumstance in your life that everything you see is contrary to God's promises. It seems as though there's no way that you can move forward into the place that you believe God's called you to be. It seems as though you are bound up and tied up and there's no way you can get free from that besetting sin or the lie of the enemy, the discouragement. It seems as though you'll never be able to pay the bills or provide for your family or even have, a, have peace. It seems as though you'll never have enough uh, Holy Spirit or biblical knowledge or truth to do anything for God. It seems as though you're, you may not even make it through the day. You just want to give up. Those are temporary. Those are going to go away, folks. It's the unseen. It's the kingdom of God. It's what's behind the veil. It's waiting to be revealed. It's that veil is waiting to be pulled back. And it will happen in a day. God's choosing. We can reach through that veil with the power of our tongue and say, Jesus is faithful now. And because I believe that, I'm going to speak it. And when I speak it, it changes the circumstances. Right? That's the power. So whatever circumstances in your life right now, just hold that up before God. I'm going to pray with you. Father, we bring these circumstances into your presence. And I speak life and hope and truth and freedom and love and mercy and grace. Grace that overcame the grave can overcome every manifestation of death in our lives. Lord, I impart grace.